Welcome back to your favorite podcast, Caring Too Much. Uh, I am Alexandra. I am here with my delightful co-host, David. Today, we're going to be talking about weed dispensaries. Welcome back, Alex. Uh, Delightful to be back, David. Exciting times, exciting times. It's a new year, a new podcast season. A new lockdown. Mm, okay and that's the end of the episode we're done calling it quits for the day we're (laughs) there's no covid talk there's no covid talk (laughs) please (laughs) but yes it is it is a new lockdown um both of us are in the city uh in our apartments doing absolutely nothing (laughs) i don't think that's fair we're podcasting yeah other other than the thing we're currently doing um not much else going on. So we were excited to jump back into this podcast. And uh, like Alex, uh, so beautifully introduced today, we're talking about weed dispensaries, the place where you can buy the Mary Jane, the, the cannabis, the, the ganj. What are, what are some other words for cannabis? The the pot, (laughs) the devil's lettuce. Oh yeah. Pot. Mm -hmm. All those things. Um, are we doing this topic because it's relevant to us? Maybe. Are we doing this because it's interesting? Definitely. <laughs> um, and right now in, in Toronto, I don't know who it's not relevant to. Uh, I know for a fact that my mom's neighborhood group has been, uh, you know, preoccupied with weed stores opening in their neighborhood. So I think, yeah, I mean, either you're either like it's relevant to everyone in the sense that one way or another, you either like care about where they're, the store the stores are opening or the fact that there's too many of them or maybe you're like me and you have found a lot of comfort in smoking weed during the pandemic and i do want to just take one second to say there shouldn't be any difference between like if someone chooses to first of all it's your body your choice so smoke whatever you want to smoke not saying it's a good idea but you know you we all have the right to do whatever. I just, I'm a little tired of the people who can go home, you know, drink a beer and that's normal, but it's like, oh yeah, I smoke a joint a couple nights a week and that's not okay. And you're like a drug addict and all that stuff. We at, at, at Caring Too Much do not subscribe to those beliefs. Um, no, we're, we're all about uh, <laughs> disassembling the stigma. And um and yeah, we'll we'll be getting more into some of those things. Uh, I also have some funny stories um, coming up. The point of this podcast, this episode, is not to talk about destigmatizing weed use and stuff. Though we are specifically talking about dispensaries. And if you are in Toronto, um, probably most other major cities in Canada, um, I would imagine they're going through a very similar thing as well. Um, You've probably seen six, 10, 50 dispensaries today. <laughs> if you just took a short stroll outdoors. Um, and that brings us into the first little bit. Um, we, did a, we did a bit of research. Um, and this is according to OCS, which is the Ontario Cannabis Store. Great name. Um, right up there with LCBO. Maybe less well, creative even. LCBO is like liquor control board of Ontario. Someone put thought into that. 
Ontario cannabis store. Not much thought was put into that. And I'm not saying more thought needed to be, you know, great, it was probably great for the target de- target demographic, low, um, you know, attention span, perhaps, you know, um, <laughs> very straight and for- straightforward to the point. But according to OCS, there are over 200 dispensaries in Toronto. I was, I, th- I knew it was a lot, but when I looked at the map and I wish that, you know, this is an audio format so we can't show you a map but when i looked at the map it was (laughs) mind-blowing like there were so many yeah and i mean every every neighborhood has probably three or four weed stores at least every city block it seems like um which has has been uh, an interesting, um, an interesting transition, especially I've noticed Starbucks locations shutting down at the same time as uh, as new dispensaries have been opening up. And I don't, I don't know if that says something about some kind of social shift, but it's a, it's a I fun mean, transition to watch. I literally didn't think about it until you just said it, but like, yeah, I mean, like caffeine is certainly the most regularly used drug, right? Like it has to be right i probably like everyone fucking drinks coffee or tea and stuff so like you know it it is interesting because i actually i've noticed the same thing as well like there's like tim's are shutting down mostly because of their poor business choices but yeah i've noticed yeah like there's two different starbucks locations that i know have closed and are being replaced in the actual store where the Starbucks used to be with a dispensary. Um, so that's interesting. Maybe there is a, a larger trend there that we'll see over the years. Cause you know, as, as I was saying a couple minutes ago, like I, I do think that there is obviously, obviously, obviously all drug use comes with risks, caffeine, heroin, weed, whatever it is, uh, or prescription drugs, like all of them come with risks. Um, but I think that there definitely is a place for like regular weed use, especially in these times. Like if you are, you, if, if every time you get anxious and the only way you know how to deal with your anxiety is smoke weed, obviously maybe not the best coping mechanism, but like, you know, you've had a stressful day and I don't know, your boss gave you too many things and you have to complete it on a debt, whatever it is. And you're like, Oh, I want to go sit on my balcony and smoke a joint like that. I feel like that is slowly becoming more normal. And I'm curious as to where that, like, I'm curious as to like how normal it will become. And I think, I think it's notable that historically a lot of, a lot of drugs which are used recreationally are, have been, or are being trialed in, in medical context as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, weed, weed's a big one there. Medical marijuana has been around for quite some time um but even what we think of as harder drugs which you know debatable if they are harder but that's a separate issue um you know lsd has been trialed medically for uh various purposes ketamine i think is being trialed uh, medically mdma lots of lots of drugs so there's definitely something in there it's not as simple as drug use bad and harmful for sure. And I think, I mean, yeah, it, it, it never, I, you know, obviously there's a whole debate as to whether drugs should be banned in any context, context at all. When I found out that 
like, you know, when illegal drugs are illegal, they're also not allowed for medical research. That made no sense to me. To me, like nothing should be out of bounds for medical research other than on like ethical grounds of like, you know, don't drug someone against their will and, and those sorts of Absolutely, things. But like, yeah. or, 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 you know, certain, you know, using other animals and stuff for testing or whatever. But in terms of like, oh, drugs are bad, so we shouldn't evaluate the medical <laughs> properties or the medical application of them like what i don't whatever it's just a bunch of old men in control um but speaking of things changing i know you found stats on the use of legal weed yeah absolutely uh, and this ties into the number of weed stores as well actually um i i came across a toronto star article from just a few weeks ago um december 16th 2021 uh, talking about how in the last quarter of 2021, for the first time since legalization, legal weed sales in Ontario have overtaken illegal weed sales, um, which is which is an exciting landmark to reach. What like four years in, um, and it's it's an estimate. You know, it is hard to accurately gauge the yeah. number of illegal weed sales being made at the um, end of every day all the illicit drug dealers log into their spreadsheets and uh, report to the government right <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not pretty sure how that works that's uh, that's how that works <laughs> gotta call um, up justin trudeau sold a couple pounds of illegal weed today uh you can catch me here on saturday if you want to get some good discount <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we'll make sure everything's like officially by the books um yeah, so the, the, the reporter writing this article, um, as, as well as some discussion of, you know, how we arrive at these numbers, et cetera, um, as, has, has talked a bit about the tactics that the government used to bump up its market share to a stunning uh, 54%. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and um, among those are expanding the number of stores because the more easily you can get to your legal weed location and buy your legal weed, the less reason you have to find an illegal dispensary or call your dealer or however you prefer to do it. Um, and there's also some like price slashing stuff going on in there. Uh, I don't know if anyone who goes to OCS has noticed prices coming down, but apparently they have been. So this is something I can talk about. And I know that my, if my mom ever listens to this, she'll be like, you're talking about how you use drugs. Again, it's legal, and I think we need to destigmatize it. So I've been going to the same dispensary for like six months. Um, and they recent, not recently, I guess about halfway through me going there, they started having like membership prices. And I was like, I'm not that person yet. <laughs> well, no, I didn't say yet. I said, I'm not that person. I don't need a membership at a dispensary. Well, fast forward about five days after I said that, and I got a membership because the membership price of weed. So like to get, um, and I always get the measurements messed up the, this this size thing, I believe, is 3.5. Is it 3.5 grams? Yeah, 3.5 grams. So to get three and a half grams, it was like I was paying like 50 bucks. And I was like, that's a, you know, not the amount I want to be paying, but it was fine because the dispensary is like 
a minute walk from my place. So I was like, I can do this. And there we it's, go. Tactic one is working. Tactic one. Now tac- introduce tactic two. I'm never leaving the dispensary. It dropped by $18. It's now $32 to buy the exact same weed that I was buying for almost 50. That's so, very impressive. And all I had to do is like, you know, I gave them my phone number and not even once a week, they'll send me a text that's like, and I can't unsubscribe or else I lose my membership kind of thing. Once a week, I get a text that's like, hey, we have a deal. Like, it's not even like spam stuff. It is like things that presumably a membership, a person who's a member at a weed dispensary would care about. Yeah. Um, now I'm super basic. I go in and I buy the exact same thing every time, but it's it's certainly working. Cause like, I, I was always too scared to buy illegal weed only because not because of like you know ethically or morally it was wrong or whatever i was just like i know that i will be the one in a million people that like the cops burst in on while i'm at one of those remember when there used to be like the illegal dispensaries that were popping up yeah between like legalization and like the licensing process was finalized i was like i just know i will be in there when the cops raided or I will be for some reason stopped, you know, you know, in an alley, wherever I get weed from a dealer. I just knew that I would be that one unlucky one in a million person. Um, so I, I can definitely say that those tactics that the government's, you know, using whatever behind the scenes to make the legal market more appealing, like they're certainly working. It, it's, I would say it's a very appealing market at the moment. Like I don't yeah. see a reason to go, to an illegal dealer unless it's someone that i had like a long relationship with and had been using for a long time that's the only reason i could see sticking with that definitely i i do think that there's an interesting um juxtaposition in the government weed store you know actively marketing to people offering deals reminding people to come get their their government weed uh to stamp out an illicit market which exists because the government criminalized marijuana for for so long but well yeah and i mean that that kind of goes into our next issue a little bit which is the whole whitewashing of the whole the whole industry right like it's we can't talk about this without acknowledging like i know that when it got legalized there I believe there's a process to expunge any past records. Um, Obviously too little, too late. That's always going to be the case. Um, And the current situation that we're in now, the government has again messed it up like because there's just so much more, um, you know, the, the field is now dominated by, capitalists and majority white people um and i don't we don't i don't have numbers for currently but in 2017 vice did a uh did some research and found that almost all 45 of the federally licensed producers of weed in canada are run by white men um and so we went from an unnecessarily illegal industry before legalization that was uh, the and the criminalization of it largely was impacting um, black, brown, indigenous people, um, non-white people, um, and they're being given criminal records, losing jobs, losing housing because of it. And now we legalized it and said, "Oh yeah, you can like have your records expunged, but 
we are going to make sure that this new legal industry is dominated by the same people every industry has always been dominated by. And that sucks, obviously. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's it's dominated by literally the exact same people who were doing the criminalizing. Um, and one, one pretty infamous example of this is former Ontario Provincial Police Commissioner Julian Fantino. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, who, along with former RCMP Deputy Commissioner Raf Sukar, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Oh, <laughs> um, as, as well as you know, various other people, founded uh, a, a cannabis company directly after legalization called Alifia. Um, they have since both uh, Fantino and Sukar stepped down from Alifia because the amount of bad PR their presence on the company's board was generating was 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 tanking the company. Um, they say cancel culture doesn't work. <laughs> the reason the reason they were collecting this bad PR wasn't just because they were involved with the OPP and the RCMP, but because they and especially Fantino were extremely active participants in the so-called war on cannabis. Uh, Fantino has been, yeah, throughout his entire career, more or less, before he got into cannabis sales, uh, an outspoken opponent of legalization, which he in 2015 compared to trying to normalize narcotics when the truth is there is nothing normal about it. Uh, Those are his words, not mine. I think personally, normalize whatever you want. You know, I I don't believe in uh, criminalizing drugs, period. But yeah, in, in, in in this specific case, exact same person went from actively uh, advocating for criminalization as a leader of the Ontario Provincial Police to actively profiting off the industry which he had been destroying people's lives over. Yeah, and I think it it just, it's, like, on one hand, it's like, well, of course, because that's what that's what we're used to, right? Like it's, it's just the exact rinse and repeat cycles of people suppressing communities. And then as soon as the tables have turned, you know, completely flip-flopping on their views, because surprise, most of the people who are in power, their views are only so long as it, like their views are going to be whatever keeps them in power. Right. And so at the time, Fantino and, and his cronies were like, I'm the OPP commissioner, right? Uh, he was the OPP commissioner. Yes, he was the OPP commissioner. Before, and then he was an MP in like federal parliament. Um, and so at that time, he was like, I can keep power by, you know, uh, fighting this war on drugs, the war on cannabis specifically. And then as soon as it was legalized, he was like, well, I don't actually believe that. I was just doing that to disenfranchise, you know, BIPOC people. So now I'm going to open a company because that's the best way to disenfranchise BIPOC people, shutting them out (laughs) of a business or an industry that has historically criminalized them. Um, And there, we we found a, um, an article from 2019 um, 
which was written by uh, Kimberly Dillon, who is a Black woman. I think she works for Adweek because that's where it's published. But either way, published in Adweek. Um, it's called It's Time to Put an End to Whitewashed Cannabis Marketing. Unfortunately, it is paywalled, speaking of capitalism, but there is a little bit that isn't paywalled. So um, this is a quote that I think is just very relevant and like important. Um, people from all walks of life use cannabis, from soccer moms to Rastas to seniors to rappers to lawyers to kids with epilepsy. And that's just, that's a fact. And, you know, it, it comes it comes back to that sort of thing, like, um, that is often said a lot around um, criminalizing abortion. It's like criminalizing things doesn't make it stop. So why don't we have, especially something that has, like, we know that we'd, you know, obviously, things like like fentanyl or whatever are are deadly not saying that they are worse but they are deadly whereas we know cannabis isn't so for something like cannabis especially it makes no sense to criminalize it because criminalizing things just pushes it to the margins and it makes it harder for people who actually need it you know for example kids with epilepsy it has been proven to be a a a uh helpful thing for pain relief for um different cognitive uh dysfunctions like for example i had a family member who uh, was suffering from a lot of chronic pain in their old age um, and they were prescribed cbd and it's like if these things are just continually criminalized and like we don't allow medical research we don't allow access to people especially since we already have decided that alcohol can be accessed anywhere and everywhere pretty much. And it causes a lot more harm than cannabis does to, to, to users. Um, it just makes no sense for us to be criminalizing it. And it comes down to the only reason it was criminalized is because it was perceived as a drug that was used largely by black people. Um, Absolutely. I, I believe, um, actually from the U.S. war on drugs, and of course we all know how successful that one's been. Uh, there's some declassified documents. I'm, I'm saying this off the top of my head. I don't have anything in front of me right now. So if I'm inaccurate on this, please forgive me. But I, I, I remember reading something to the effect that cannabis is specifically targeted. Yeah, oh, yeah. because because it was a drug that uh, especially black people were associated with and that hippies were associated with at a time when the US government was very invested in persecuting both of those groups of people. Um, I believe the the quote you're um, thinking of, uh, or uh, quote or otherwise, it was from someone who worked on Reagan's staff who was talking about their strategy to, to go out to basically criminalize certain communities. And they were like, yeah, this drug is seen as a drug that's associated with this community so we're going to criminalize this drug because we want to criminalize this community like that was the thought yeah that sounds right um i can't find I'm, i looked up the i googled reagan's anti-drug quote i can't <laughs> that unfortunately <laughs> didn't pull it up but um i know that it was i want to say it was like a can you hear that <laughs> very very little i couldn't make out any words Okay, yeah, we'll have to wait for it to stop talking. Stop. Hey, Google. Stop. I don't know why it thought I said its name, but it started talking. So, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so just, yeah, exactly what you were saying. Um, it was someone on Reagan's team that, um, at the time was like, we want to criminalize these people. So this is how we're going to do it with these drugs. And yeah, so, so there's, was, there's just really no reason for it. Yeah. Never about anyone's health or safety. And, um, and now we can kind of see sort of the, I don't know, it's, it's, it's on a related note, every dispensary these days looks like it is a spaceship. It's yeah. so weird to me, the like immediate pivot that weed stores made when they were like, oh, it's legal now. Now we have to mark, or now we can market to white people. Or so like, I, I don't really quite understand what the thought process was in, in these things, but I hate every dispensary. The reason I chose my dispensary, honestly, because it was before the prices, although that would have convinced me no matter what it looked like, um, was because it looks like a basic store. Like it's, it's still whitewashed, but like it doesn't look like a spaceship or like Apple Store 10.0. Um, and it's this, it's just so wild to me because they're ugly. <laughs> yeah. This 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 kind of puts me in mind of the one time I visited a dispensary with my parents. Um, and this was I don't remember what it's called, but the 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 very like gentrified apple store looking dispensary in kensington market that opened not too long ago um i mean most of them opened not too long ago but we uh you know we were, we were walking down the street obviously they have it set up so you can't really see inside before you get your id checked uh, and and my parents were a little bit I wouldn't say nervous, but there was some level of anticipation there, like going to a, a, a marijuana store. Um, and we walked inside and saw the place and they immediately were like, oh, wow, it's so, it's so like bright and clean. Um, and I think, I think that's at least part of what's behind it is trying to capture this consumer demographic that hasn't been using cannabis products from the illicit market that thinks of, of, of weed as something that's, you know, kind of scary and part of a seedy underbelly of society. Um, and if it looks like the Apple store, it can't possibly be part of the seedy underbelly of society. No, absolutely. Like that is, I, yeah, I, I was, I was sort of more referring to like why specifically Apple store, as opposed to like, there's so many other just like, for example, my weed store, it's still whitewashed, but it doesn't look like a spaceship. Like some of them to me have just taken it so far beyond the level of like, we have whitewashed this so that the, yeah, the suburban mom can walk in and not feel like they're in too seedy of a place or whatever. I get that the stores are like, well, now we have to appeal to everyone. So that's what their thought process was. And that's like, I, I can see that. It's just like, First of all, it's ugly and I hate it. So like, there's that. And that's just my personal opinion. I'm sure there's some, there's probably like your parents walked in and said they, they liked the look of it because that's what stores look like, right? It just looks like a regular store. Um, but to me, like I so much, like, first of all, in terms of like trusting the place, when I walk into an Apple store, weed store, I don't, I don't put a ton of faith in the employees there necessarily because mm -hmm. it's like 
oh, what, you started working here? Like, you're just working here. You don't necessarily, like, it's, it's just a job. Just like if I walked into H&M, I wouldn't expect someone to be able to give me a dissertation on fashion over the ages or, you know, like that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. This is the basic weed store, right? Compared to the, like, kind of basement punk rock alt clothing the, store where, you know, everyone the places where they roll about it. They roll up a garage door and, you know, there's like some dusty looking bongs off to the side and, <laughs> and you know, nothing's named freaking like, I, I don't know. I felt a little more like true to sort of like, I don't want to say the culture, but like, I, I don't like the, making it, turning it into this mainstream, like whitewashed thing to me is like, I don't know. It's lying. Yeah, it feels it feels like the marketing executives are the ones making all the decisions rather than anyone with a, a level of investment in, yeah, like the culture, the product, or any any of the rest of it. It's the people looking at how can we get the highest earning demographic to come in here and spend as much money as as we can, you know, squeeze out of them. Yeah, and and again, not in like a because I mean, we started off this saying like in, it should be normalized and, and all that stuff. So it's it's not in like a. I guess what I'm really saying is it is frustrating that these methods are necessary in the society that we have to draw in, like because I'm it, I'm sure it's it's tested, you know, in in the marketing world. I know it because I'm taking communications. Making things white makes things make more money. Like that is a fact whether it should be true or not it is unfortunately true at least you know in the situation we're in we're in canada um in in toronto um it, from a in a western perspective whitewashing things will always make more money because it's not like you know if we're using this example it's not like people who have been you know smoking weed for years decades whatever are going to stop smoking because it's becoming more white at least i don't think so um, so it, it really like you, it's very similar to the, you know, when we were talking about the people in power, you know, only using the community, uh, criminalizing the community because it was the most advantageous thing to do. Now it's like all the weed dispensaries are like, well, you know, we've served this community for so long, but now the real money is in the white suburb pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's worth noting that even if destigmatization and normalization in this case have a common interest with the the market interests, uh, you know, the marketing executives and whoever else, they're not the same thing. And no. I mean, as as you just said, the marketing executive type people will gladly uh, criminalize and stigmatize anything they can if it'll make them more money or give them more power i, I, I truly I, I think i think the solution here uh in as much as we're looking for a solution is you know destigmatize cannabis and drugs generally and we should start stigmatizing apple stores and things that look like apple stores <laughs> i think i think that would bring us to a better society I agree. And and I think you did just get to the point that I was trying to make and failed to for about three minutes there is that it's just the insincerity of it, because you know that these marketing decisions are being made. They're not being made because, oh, like, this is a 
like we want to destigmatize weed. They're doing it because, oh, we can make more money if we make our stores look this way. And obviously that's how business works and whatever. Like I'm not, you know, when I say that this stuff is like bothered me or is annoying or whatever, it's relatively low on the things that bother me. The fact that, you know, weed stores look a certain way, but it does really, I think the thing that bothers me the most is that they're just so ugly. They're, they're just so objectively uglier than like the typical traditional stores that had like usually graffiti and like community relevant art on the walls is what I'm picturing at multiple of the Kensington dispensaries that have been around for a while. There's like phrases written across the things. There's literally like pictures of smoke and like whatever on the, the big metal garage door that opens up to the store. Um, and that to me was just, it's just like, I don't want to go to a clinical Apple store looking place. It, it feels so different from what I've known it to usually be. And it's just because of the, like the fact that we know they're doing this to appeal to white people more um, and to just more mainstream, you know, appeal. That's just what like leaves a bad taste in my mouth when I look at these places. But like, I know it's, it's the same thing that happens at any store, you know, every, every industry is whitewashed to make more money pretty much. So, but speaking of, of, of whitewashed industries, there are, if you are also in Toronto, there is, um, one place that I know of one dispensary that is doing its part to fight that, <laughs> um, the whitewashing of the industry, um, their Instagram. So it's, it's the Mississaugas of the new credit, uh, medicine wheel is like the business name. Their Instagram is MC medicine wheel. Um, they are a, I believe group of all indigenous people who run this business. Um, and because they're operating on like unceded territories, um, like they have the right to sell their own weed. Um, and so if you are someone who partakes in marijuana, if you are someone who is looking to try it out, um, honestly, it's a little far from me and I don't have a car, so I don't, make it there all the time like i said i have my own that's close to me because i can't take transit these days because of covid and all those other things um but i've i've been there once bought something there once it was good um and it's both a local business and an indigenous run business in an industry that is otherwise being dominated by people who have used to be making their profits on criminalizing the very same people they're now trying to serve so um always good to try and support those initiatives and those businesses that are uh not part of the not part of the problem i guess to say um and their store does not look like an apple store so bonus points even yeah even better (laughs) um i also uh, my my favorite story of i mean i have i have actually quite a few favorite stories of me at at dispensaries uh my favorite one which again i feel is something that would not have happened in the sort of more classic uh environment of dispensaries 
um, because I have I've been in many illegal dispensaries. I just never purchased because uh, I was too scared. Um, but something that's happened to me at the the new Apple Store dispensaries that I don't feel would have happened before uh, was just like the pretentiousness. There's there's pretentiousness that exists oh, at these no. new dispensaries, um, and I remember. <laughs> I, uh, it was like my second time going and the one that the, 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 the product I had purchased the previous time had was sold out. Um, and so they said, oh, well, there's this option or this option. They're fairly similar. One's Indica and one's Sativa. And I made the ultimate fool, apparently decision to ask what the difference between those, like what, like as a reminder, cause I remember one is more for you know creative and whatever one's more for like i don't know chilling whatever um but i was like oh which one is which basically and i got the dirtiest glare from the person who works there <laughs> and i was just like this would not have happened at a classic old dispensary because first of all those places were just like a mess so like asking questions it's like you know, it was just like they were like darker and they were like harder to find things. So it, and it just didn't feel as intimidating. As much as I was intimidated by the illegality of them, <laughs> there was nothing intimidating about the people who worked in the stores, which I really, really miss in the the new sort of environments that we have. Um, 100%. I, I, I hate like not just in cannabis stores, but generally when a store or a brand is trying to market itself as expensive and the way they do that is by training their salespeople to be standoffish. Like, to, to be mean. Yeah. To be standoffish. Well, very I, mean, I mean, if we're going to get real though, if we're talking about whitewashing, isn't that the ultimate way to make something white is <laughs> give someone a false sense of superiority and power. You are you you might be onto something there. Am I am I wrong? Also, I will also say all the people who work at like dispensaries that you know, like the new age, new age dispensaries that I'm coining that term, probably already been coined uh, in the new age dispensaries, they're all white. Or at least they all are white passing. Um, yeah, because you can't have you can't have your new age legal cannabis associated with shock and horror people of color. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing, um, but you know, um, I don't think there's necessarily like a um, way to fix it or whatever. Like again, like I said, try and find a as um, ethical or whatever dispensary as you can. Um, the more local, the smaller I think it is, the better. If you enjoy um, but, gardening, buy some seeds, grow your own weed. That's what I do. Uh, it's a ton of fun and like really, really, really cheap compared to buying uh, like prepared cannabis. Even better than that, I would say just find a friend who grows weed because <laughs> <laughs> then you don't even have to do it yourself. <laughs> but every now and then they'll give you a mason jar of, of weed and be like here you go i had too much <laughs> and it'll be some of the best weed you've ever had too um i won't say who but i've got a, i've got a good friend who grows weed 
whoever I, it is, I bet, let, I bet they grow it with love. I'll let I'll I'll let you know after Alex who it is. That's <laughs> the super <laughs> secret identity. Um yeah, I think it's you know, this was just a topic that I care about. Like I think it's interesting because I care about it in like two different ways. One, I care about it just from like the ugly standpoint of like a like taking away all of the political and and whatever context and stuff they're just ugly (laughs) and it frustrates me that i have to go to ugly places because all the places in kensington are too far for me to walk to every time um and i don't again don't have a car and ttc is no bueno these days but you know and then i also care about like the greater issues that are you know kind of driving the the change in this because obviously they're things that we've talked about in previous episodes and and stuff it's just it's just an interesting situation i think to watch the process of legalization unfold um and as is always the case with doug ford could have been done better (laughs) oh oh boy could it have this is this is an example of one of the many uh cases where I, I I really do think the distinction between legalization and decriminalization is very important and it's telling that we have collectively chosen to follow a legalization route. Uh, for those of you who don't are, aren't like in the weeds on these technicalities, um, legalization is something like what we have now with cannabis where it's particularly, you know, regulated by the government, et cetera, uh, whereas decriminalization would have just been removing the criminal penalties associated with using, buying, selling, producing cannabis, and trusting the regulations that already exist around the production, purchase, and sale of consumer goods to, you know, do, do their job, which is protect workers and consumers. Um, And legalization in in situations like this really does allow for much more of an active taking advantage. Um, You know, if we had just followed through decriminalization, then the the people who had the small, you know, home, home brew, uh, you know, locally owned dispensaries could have kept their dispensaries, and uh, that could have just been where we got our cannabis. Um, and and on a lot of these vice issues, legalization becomes. I'm I'm sorry if I'm like going on too much about this, but legalization becomes the option that the government turns to, both for the advantage of the people in power making decisions and and driving decisions, but also to harness the moral outrage in in the population. You know, when you look at at a drug that has been very deliberately stigmatized and you're you're looking at reforming the rules, if, if the government can take the stigmatization and work with it and say, no, don't worry, don't worry, the bad people who we were targeting with criminalization won't benefit from this because we are going to legalize it and regulate it so highly that they can't possibly, then uh, then you get that big part of the voting base that 
implicitly supports the people in power making decisions to keep themselves in power. Uh, so the, the 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 short version of everything, TLDR, um, we really should have just decriminalized. Yeah, no, it absolutely, it, it's hard for the government to go from saying this is bad to all of a sudden decriminalizing, right? And saying like, oh, never mind, we were wrong. Because like that is, they'd have to admit that they were wrong. So instead they go this route of, yeah, like, oh, well, we're the good guys. We're going to be the ones who sell it to make sure that it's, you know, safe and whatever. And obviously like having a safe supply, I don't, again, I don't think that's as huge of an issue with cannabis because it's, it's safe. Um, but you know, all of those things get used to kind of build up public support for, you know, legalizing something, but it, it really is, as you were saying all that, I was just thinking it really is, it's just gatekeeping, right? Like the government yeah. is, you know, instead of providing a way for the community to like grow their own weed and like, like things like that, that would actually be like, probably make it cheaper, uh, make oh, it definitely. easier to get and would eradicate the need for Apple store weed dispensaries. Um, no, they were like, we're going to continue to play gatekeeper. Gaslight gatekeep girl boss, Doug Ford. And not just Doug Ford, Justin Trudeau, all of them. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's not just one person, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, though I do think it's ironic that I do know people who used to buy weed from Doug Ford, who was their drug dealer in like, their 20s and stuff like family friends and stuff and now he's you know going on to be the one who says and has kind of the control over how who gets to benefit from weed uh selling weed in in the province it's it's interesting how uh people in power find ways to maintain it but i think that's um I think we've covered everything. Um, I think, like I said, there's, you know, the, the detached issue of just like, they're ugly. Don't like them filling up the community with (laughs) Apple store look like, you know, dispensaries. Uh, And then, you know, there's the bigger issue um, at play, which is the ongoing disenfranchisement and uh, power gatekeeping from the, the few who are in control um as it always is but hope you had some fun uh listening to us um you can join us in two weeks for our uh, our campaign launch to bring back starbucks and uh <laughs> and my impassioned rant about how the indica sativa distinction is less real than you think oh don't get me don't get me started. I'm pretty sure I came home from being embarrassed at that dispensary to tell you about it for you to give me that ranch. And I was like, so you're telling me that that person made me feel like an idiot at the dispensary for no reason. But anyway, um, yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Um, go smoke a joint or don't, obviously. But like, if you want to, don't feel bad if you want to. Enjoy yourself. Live your life. And uh, um, hopefully, hopefully, see you back next week for real topics, which uh, which we will actually discuss. This is a real topic. It was we we made sure to infuse some oh. real conversation about this joke topic. Yeah, no, I mean more real <laughs> than the campaign to bring back Starbucks. 
Oh yes, no. Next, the next episode will not be about bringing back Starbucks. That is, <laughs> that's not what it'll be. Um, but yeah, so thank you for tuning in as always. Um, feel free to engage with us on any social media that you have us on. Uh, we're always happy to hear thoughts and and feedback from people who aren't uh, our own parents, uh, though we obviously appreciate that, appreciate that too. Um, it might be a little biased is what we're worried about. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will see you again in two weeks. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.